0: Thank you for stopping by the Cyprus Church Podcast. We are a church community who seek to worship Jesus, love one another, and serve the world. We hope you'll come away from this podcast with your
1: hearts refreshed from hearing the Word of God proclaimed.
2: If you've been at Cyprus for any length of time, you know Eric Larson, our guest preacher for today. Eric is a gifted teacher. He's written a book called Frameworks. And he's going to be giving us insights into the book of Acts this morning. So if you would open up your Bibles to the book of Acts in the New Testament, that's where Eric will be launching in today. But as I introduce Eric, I actually want to talk about Bonnie, his wife. She's a dynamo too. Bonnie spent 30 years, about 30 years in Silicon Valley as a pioneer for women in the human resource space. She right now leads our staff support team who have done amazing work over the last couple of years to support our staff and make us better. And she's also, she one of the best qualities about Bonnie is when she really hears God speak to her, she's got a beautiful soft heart and wants to respond to him in obedience. It's a, it's a really good thing. So why am I talking about Bonnie when I'm supposed to be introducing Eric? Eric is wondering... Well, it's because this couple is a great example of what I'm praying for each of us here at Cyprus, that we would be fully engaged. They they are committed to worshiping here every Sunday morning. They are deeply involved in one of our small groups, an integral part of one of our small groups. And they have found a place to serve using their giftings, the giftings of the Holy Spirit in their life, to serve fully and faithfully to help build up this church and advance the gospel in the world. So if there was a poster child or children for our church, for what I pray for each of us as far as getting involved and being fully engaged, this couple who have only been here for three years are an example of that for all of us. So with that, would you give a warm Cyprus welcome to Mr. Eric Larson.
0: Uh, welcome this morning to our introduction to the book of Acts. It's really uh, good for me to be here. I, I enjoy doing this, obviously, and today we're going to be giving you this frameworks overview of, uh, of Acts. Uh, you'll notice in your uh, weekly you have a handout. Do you see the handout? And this, is, this means you have a free day. You don't have to take copious notes because they're already here for you. So uh, you can take notes on that as you as you will. We're going to have a lot of information this morning, um, hopefully helpful information about uh, the book of Acts, and uh, I think we'll, we'll have a good time together. So before we start, let me just uh, open this with a word of prayer. Dear Lord, it's such a privilege to be in a church that worships you, that loves one another and serves the world. We're happy to do that. Many of us are really very much engaged in that activity, and we pray for this time this morning in your word that we would all find you um, as we open your word together. We pray that in your name. Amen. Um, This week, Bonnie and I went to Atlanta, Georgia. How many have been to Atlanta, Georgia? Yeah, great town. Uh, My mom lives there. She's 97. She'll be 98 in April, God willing. And her, her mind is clear as a bell. She she reads books, Uh, she's kind of blind right now, but she reads through uh, books on tape. And uh, for 20 minutes, we sat there listening to her tell us about The Star of India, a four-volume series that she's read four times, and she's blind. And um, everything was right on, and all the characters and so on. And the good thing about this trip is we flew out of Monterey, California. Have you ever flown out of the Monterey Airport? That is a gift of God. I mean, you don't have to you don't have to drive up to uh, San Jose or God forbid SFO and the whole thing is so easy and as we're going through this easy process, I was reminded of another airport that we visited in Queenstown, New Zealand. A beautiful little town up in the mountains of the South Island of New Zealand. And we just loved it. We were on a a tour of Australia and New Zealand, and you have to put that on your bucket list. That was awesome. And as we're leaving New Zealand in this small, quaint little airport, we go into the departure hall, and there's no TSA, and there's no walls, and there's no police, and there's no intimidating processes. You don't have to take off your shoes and all this kind of thing. All there is, is a scanner. And this little scanner is sitting in the room, and there's a little, little kind of a series of tables and a woman standing there in a uniform. And this is so refreshing, and I walk in, I have my cell phone in my hand, and Bonnie and I in our careers have flown all over the world. We've been to Europe and Asia. We're seasoned travelers, and we come into this departure hall, and I say to this woman, I have a very innocent question, do I need to put my cell phone through the scanner? and she looks at me rather quizzically, and she says, sir, this is a metal detector. Is this your first flight? (laughs) That was so funny. That was so, I said no, Uh, and so I put my cell phone through that thing. Anyway, that's Monterey. Isn't that Monterey Airport? You've gotta love this, and maybe this is your first flight through the Book of Acts, and if so, welcome, come in, sit down, Fasten your seatbelts, and here we go. And this is our plan for this morning in this this series of of, uh, comments that I'll make for you this morning. I'm going to cover three questions. The first is, who is Luke? Luke, of course, wrote the book of Acts. Secondly, what is Acts about? What's the story? What's going on here? And third, how do I navigate it? And that's for you and your reading As you're reading through this book, we want to tell you what to look for and so on. So that's what we're going to be doing together. Sound good? Okay, let's go. And so here is the framework. And what are frameworks? And if I was to define frameworks, and I've done this before, so some of you who have heard this, you can go get coffee, come back, whatever. Frameworks are two things. They are places to hang your thoughts And that comes from the idea of conceptual frameworks, which your mind needs to organize the things that you see and hear and know. And if you didn't have frameworks in your mind, it would be all scrambled up. So frameworks are ways to organize your thoughts. And that's why we have the hanger. Do you see the hanger? It's to hang your thoughts there. Um, And there's secondly, visual, uh, there are visual images that tell stories visual images that speak to us and give us stories in their own way. Uh, So when you think about that, think about those two things. How how many of us are visual learners? Yeah, because we see things and we take in information quickly and that's why we thought this frameworks approach was powerful in in knowing the scriptures. And so here is our first framework and some of you have seen this. Some of you have tattoos, T-shirts, whatever, on the wall, but here is the frame. And what is this a framework of? The New Testament. So come to find out your New Testament has 27 books and letters organized into six logical groups. That's very refreshing. First, you have four biographies. Biographies of whom? Jesus' life, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. You have one history book which is the book we're studying, the book of Acts, and then that's the end of the books. You've got 21 letters that follow in three groups, letters to churches, letters to people, general letters meant for circulation everywhere, and then you have a book at the end called Revelation which is a book of prophecy, and where is Acts? It's in the beginning, and why is it where it is? Because it continues on from the story of Jesus' life. So it's placed right after the four Gospels. It is the bridge from the Gospels to the letters. And if you didn't have this bridge, once you got to the letters, you wouldn't know where you were. So we need this book. This is the bridge of the New Testament, which leads us to our first question. And that question was, who is Luke? Luke. Who is Luke? He is the writer of this book, of course, but who, who is he? And how do we know him? And What do we know about him? Well, everything that we know about Luke, we find in the Bible. He's mentioned there three times. And in those three times, we, we know four things about him. The first is he was a Greek disciple. So that means he wasn't Jewish. Most of the gospel writers and, and the writers of the New Testament were Jewish. As a matter of fact, Luke is the only non-Jewish writer in the New Testament, if not in the entire Bible. So that's something that you may never have known before. And he's a disciple. He's a follower of Christ. So we know that about him. Secondly, he's called by Paul the beloved physician, which means two things. He's a medical doctor and he's loved. Yeah, he's a beloved physician physician. And you see this in Luke's writing. And if we had time, we could do a series on the medical language in Luke and Acts. And there's lots of medical language in there. And he introduces those words to the Bible. As a matter of fact, you know, when, you know the story in Gethsemane, when uh, Jesus is being betrayed by Judas. Judas comes and kisses him. And then after that, there's a scuffle that breaks out. And Peter grabs his sword and he chops off the ear of the high priest's servant Why did he chop off his ear? Because he missed his head. And so he chopped (laughs) off his ear and the ear falls on the ground. And Luke is the only one that tells you Jesus picked up the ear and reattached it. A medical doctor would only do that. That is awesome. I love that kind of thing. So he is a beloved physician. What else? He is a careful investigator. And here I have for you on the slide, you can see in there, In Luke chapter 1, in his gospel, he says, it seemed good to me also having carefully investigated everything for a long time to write down the events in an orderly sequence so that you may know the truth. I mean, I track with Luke. I love things in order, orderly sequence in your life, in your office, whatever. So this is Luke. He is a careful investigator. And finally, he's a faithful coworker. Right? He works with uh, Paul and travels with Paul everywhere. So there you have it. Uh, this is Luke. And so that is our first question, who is Luke? Now we go on to the second question. And to answer our second question here is a different question, not what is, Luke, what is Acts about, but what is Acts? And I would suggest to you that first of all, Acts is Luke's sequel. What is a sequel? It's a second book, right? It's the second book in this series. In his first book, he focuses on Jesus's ministry. And on his second book, he focuses on the work of the Holy Spirit. And here I'd like to read for you, and you can turn if you want, to Acts chapter 1, verses 1 through 8. Let's read that together. Acts chapter 1, verses 1 through 8. So it goes like this, in the first book, O Theophilus, Theophilus is the person that he's writing to, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day when he was taken up, after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days after speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It's not for you to know the times and seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. So this is how the sequel to the Gospel of Luke starts, with the same person that he wrote the gospel, uh, his Gospel to, a man by the name of Theophilus. What is the sequel? It's the second book, and this is the second of Luke's books, okay? So first of all, Acts is Luke's sequel. What, is, what else is Acts? Well, secondly, I would tell you that Acts is a tale of two cities. Do you like that? Acts is a tale of two cities. And as I'm writing this down, I said, I've heard that before. I know that phrase somewhere else, but you know what? You know what? I've had a Dickens of a time thinking about where that came from. And I don't don't know where it came from, but it came from somewhere. It popped into my mind as uh, I was studying this thing. And this is a tale of two cities. And what are those cities? Jerusalem and Antioch. So as you're reading, there are two cities here. In, In Jerusalem in the south, that's going to be Peter's headquarters. So for the first 12 chapters, we're going to be talking about Peter in Jerusalem and the surrounding areas and his work down there. And then for the next 16 chapters, we're going to be up in the Antioch, which was Paul's base of operation. And Paul had the ministry to the non-Jews, to the Gentiles like us, okay? So it's a tale of two cities. Uh, and the interesting thing about this is if you read Acts in chapter 1, Uh, Luke is going to give us a list of names of all of the 12 apostles of Christ before he goes into his 12 chapters. And when you start in chapter 13 with the Gentiles, do you know what you're going to get? Another list. There's another list there of all the teachers and, and so forth that were up in Antioch. I think that is so cool. In both places, there's lists of the people that were ministering in that particular place. So, Acts is a tale of two cities. But what else is Acts? Acts is also a defense of Christianity. Have you you ever thought about that? Why did Luke write it? Well, he wanted to defend Christianity. Why did he need to defend Christianity? Because there were two groups that did not like Christians. What were those two groups? Jews and the Romans. Why did the Jews not like the Christians? They were jealous of them. We, I mean, we were excited about Jesus. We loved Jesus. And they wanted the old dead religion that they had before. So Luke is writing his, his uh, book of Acts to defend Christianity to the Jews, showing them that we use the scriptures. We have the practices of the Old Testament. We pray. We love the word. We get together. We honor uh, one another. So to the Jews and to the Romans, that we are simply just another part of, uh, of the Jews' uh, religion. So, and we're good neighbors as well. Aren't we good neighbors? Yeah, Acts chapter 2. And we had, we had favor with all the people. So he wrote it as a defense of Christianity. That's uh, also why he wrote the book. But what else is Acts? Acts is also, and you haven't heard this one, Acts is also a book of speeches. Have you ever thought of that? Speeches by Paul, speeches by Peter, speeches by Stephen, speeches by um, James, speeches after speeches. One person has counted 36 speeches in the book of Acts. Starting in chapter one, Peter gives a speech and Peter is quoting scripture. Who knew that Peter knew scripture? He was a fisherman for Pete's sake, but he's quoting scripture at least three or four times in the first couple of chapters. So informative speeches, evangelical speeches, you know, uh, apologetic speeches, educational speeches, lots and lots of speeches. But if you would ask me what I think the book of Acts is, in addition to all these, I would tell you that Acts is a wildfire, a wildfire. And this fire started on the day of Pentecost in Jerusalem where the Holy Spirit of God, which in the Old Testament in the burning bush represented the presence of God, when this presence of God came to the planet in a different way, lit up the hearts of these 120 people, and they went out. And they started speaking and that fire started burning and it was out of control and it was out of containment and you couldn't corral it and it burned through all of the New Testament. And this is a story of that burning of the hearts of believers, setting them on fire. Uh, One of Bonnie's relatives is a man by the name, was a man, he's passed away, is a man by the name of Tori Johnson. Tory Johnson, a great evangelist, in the 1940s to the 1930s, 40s, 50s, he actually gave Billy Graham his first platform by turning over his radio station program to Billy Graham. He said, here, Billy, I'm going on vacation. Why don't you take over? And so Billy did, and the rest is history. But anyway, uh, Tory Johnson was Bonnie's great uncle. Who knew that? Yeah. And and there was a book written by Mel Larson (laughs) called Young Man on Fire. And it is a book of this evangelist, Tori Johnson. So you have this idea that Christians are people who can be on fire. So, in that way, Acts is a book about fire. And in Acts, this fire is spreading, and it is spreading from Jerusalem out through Judea, out through Samaria, into Syria, across Turkey, which was Asia Minor. It jumped over the Aegean Sea. It was burning up Greece, and it finally made it all the way to Rome, the fire of God's spirit, setting people's lives free, uh, uh, helping them in many, many different ways. And this, I I would suggest to you, is the way we should think about Acts as this fire over 30 years and 1,000 miles this wildfire spreading all the way to the city of Rome. So um, in the the Gospel of Acts, you have the Holy Spirit as the prime uh, star of the show, and if this was a major major motion picture, the Spirit would be uh, the star. Let's go to the next slide. Here you have all the things, and this is on your handout. In the book of Acts, the Holy Spirit does many, many different things. It speaks, It directs, it carries, it bids, it prohibits, it clothes, it rules, it commands, it baptizes, it fills, it empowers, it says, it gifts, and it emboldens people, right? What does that word embolden mean? It makes you bold. Yeah. Do you realize that I am an introvert? Yeah. So the Holy Spirit emboldens people, and we're going to come back to that in a minute. So it's mentioned over 60 times. Some call Acts the gospel of the Holy Spirit, and in, the, in this book, uh, the Spirit does so many different things. But as, our, but as believers, what is our part in the story if the Holy Spirit is doing all these different things? And I would suggest to you that our part is two things. Our responsibility is to pray and to go. Very simply, to pray and to go. We need to pray to hear the Spirit speaking, and we need to go to follow the Spirit's leading. Those are the two things that we need to do. Why do we need both? Why do we need to pray? Why do we need to go? Because that's what the Lord Told us to do. Praying without going is inadequate. Going without praying is ineffective. How about that? Praying without going is inadequate, but going without praying is ineffective. Jesus said, Without me, you can do nothing. So we need both of them. During that portion, portion that I just read to you in Acts chapter 1, Jesus was leaving after 40 days. He had spent 40 days on the planet. What was he doing? He was weaning, you like that word? He was weaning his disciples away from his physical presence because he was only going to be there spiritually in the future. So he was coming and going and and giving them a chance to transition from his physical, visible presence to his invisible, spiritual presence, right? And so at the very end of this, I love this. This week I was reading this and this kind of popped out at me. After all that he did, after all that he taught, and he went to the cross, and he died, and he rose again, and then he spends 40 days with his disciples, they come to him and they say to him, Lord, is this the time that you will restore the nation to Israel, the kingdom to Israel? And he says, none of your business. It's not for you, it's not for you, and you, and you, and you, it's not for you to know the times and the seasons that the Father has placed under his authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, yeah, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem. In other words, it is your turn. I'm out. And right at, the point, at that point, he ascends. He says, bye, and he ascends. And it's just like Cape Kennedy. I mean, it, he's just like a rocket. It's just like a space shuttle. And he goes up and they're going, bye. Don't forget to write. I mean, he's, he's going up and out, you know, and they're standing there. So he, he goes out. So they have to take over. So what's the first thing they do? They go back and they pray. That's the first thing they do. They pray and then they go in chapter two. They pray and the Holy Spirit comes on them and then they go. And I believe that that is really what the Lord wants us to do this year. More praying, more going. And we're already already a church that prays. Could we pray more? Could we pray more? Yes, individually, corporately, we could pray more. Could we go more? Yes, of course we could go more. And already there are many, many, many of you that have ministries, that go out to the streets, that go feed the homeless, that go to to, uh, places that people are preaching the gospel. There's many of us that do that. We could all do that more. And I'm thinking about this idea of praying and then going and praying and then going. And I thought back to the time I was working in Akron, Ohio, would you like to live in Akron, Ohio? It is the rubber capital of the world. Or it used to be. Used to be till all the, they shut down all the factories. But I was there in Akron, Ohio, working for the Goodyear Tire and Rubber Company. And I was also in a great little church, much like uh, Cypress, a great little church. We loved the word. We loved the Lord. And we had this thing called Morning Watch. Okay? And it, at 6.30 Every morning, five days a week, we got together to pray, okay, in different homes, and I was at Phil Trumpauer's house, and I'd go over to Phil's house at 6.30, and there was a group of us, and we got there to pray, and we'd pray, and we'd open the Word. We'd be half hour, and that kind of charges you up and gets you going for the day, and you know, you're out there, and you're moving and shaking, so I am praying, and then I go to Goodyear, and I park my little Volkswagen bug over in the parking lot. And I'm walking to the headquarters where I worked. There's a blind man standing there. He's standing there just like this. He's not begging. He's just standing there like this. He may have had a place to put some money. I don't know. He was dressed pretty nicely. The Lord, the Spirit said, speak to him. I said, I can't do that. I can't do that. I don't want to do that. Yes, you're going to do that. And so I had this, you know, this debate you have, whether you should do it or not, or I don't want to do that. What do I to say? Just talk to him. So I walked up to him and I said, hi. I'm Eric, what's your name? He said, my name is Steve. I said, Steve, how long have you been out here doing this? He said, well, I've been here about a year. You live here in Akron? We carried on this conversation. And I got to know Steve and I said, Steve, I gotta go to work, I'll see you tomorrow. So I parked my car, the next day I walk in, I say, Steve, hi, it's Eric. Eric, how you doing? And over one year, I talked to him every day. I don't know if some days he wasn't there, some days I had to travel, but almost every day, We got to know each other. Did I I feel like I needed to give him money? No, he needed a friend. So I was his friend. I was Steve's friend. And then the Spirit said to me, buy him a Bible. But I said, well, he's blind. And they said, they have Bibles for the blind. So I bought him a Braille Bible. And I took it to him one day. And I said, Steve, I have something for you. He said, what's that? I said, I have a New Testament in Braille. Have you ever read it? He says, no. I said, try to read this. You're going to really like it. And he took it home. And then the next day he came back. Hey, did you read it? So what do you think we talked about from that day on? Not the weather. What did we talk about? Jesus, the Bible. So over a period of time, he starts to read the Bible. And this is just an example of what it is like. And many of you know this. I'm preaching to the choir. Many of you know this, that you can pray And then you can follow the prompting of the spirit, whether it's at Costco or wherever you are, to to go and to be out there, to be the the hands and feet of uh, Christ during this age. We are the body of Christ. One other thing, that another uh, illustration that I'll give you and then um, we'll move on. We had a Bible study up in um, the East Bay, up in the San Francisco Bay area for a number of years and we moved down here in 2015 to get away from the congestion and all that. We love it here. It's awesome. But uh, the, the Bible study continued under this other uh, couple. Their names are Fred and Tammy. And so Fred and Tammy sent me a letter recently. It was an email. And what they did, the, the Spirit just prompted them to write a letter to their neighbors on their street. They live on Ballantyne Drive in Pleasanton. And so they did. And the, the letter and they were gonna go out and they dropped it off at all of their neighbors' houses. You know, us introverts, mm. but they did. They dropped it off at all the neighbors. Like, what if they come to the door? You drop it off and you just talk. No one's gonna hurt you. Yeah, so here's the letter. Let me just read you part of this letter. Dear Ballantyne neighbors. valentine's the street, yeah? We are Fred and Tammy Shaw at 3586 Ballantine. We've decided that our New Year's resolution for 2020 is to set time aside every week to pray for our neighbors, and more specifically, for our Ballantine neighbors. So, if you have a Ballantine address, you're on our list. A couple of things you should know. As Christians, we believe we are called to love our neighbors. With everyone so busy and the world pretty crazy, we've decided to do something intentional and tangible in 2020, so here we go. We are setting aside time every Wednesday evening at seven o'clock to pray for our neighbors. We believe that prayers make a difference, not just when we're desperate, but always. We want you to know that we care and are doing something we know makes a difference, so we want you to know that someone is praying for you in 2020, And the longer letter, and they drop it off, and all, and they knock on the door, and I, I don't think anybody came to the door, I don't know, but, uh, and they left their email address on the letter, and sure enough, somebody writes back. Dear Fred and Tammy, I just received your letter. Thank you so much for thinking of your neighbors and working to help with life struggles through prayer. I appreciate that you are thinking of me and all of our Valentine ba- neighbors. God bless you. Isn't that awesome? So you don't know what's gonna happen. Maybe a year from now, someone has some circumstance that they can't handle, 1-800-FRED-AND-TAMMY. I mean, they are going, yeah, you don't know, you do not know what the Spirit of God is going to do through you by your little act of obedience at Costco. When, When the Spirit says, there's the person you're supposed to talk to today. And you go, okay. So I'm just telling you it's praying and it's going and that's really what, I think that's what we're gonna do this year. I can't leave you um, without telling you one thing about about what we did at Morning Watch. You know this prayer meeting in the morning? We would try to guilt each other to go. Like at 6.30 in the morning, you're not quite awake, right? So you quoted, if this is your case, if you're like an evening person, someone may quote this to you, Proverbs 26, 14, as the door turns upon its hinges, so does the sluggard in his bed. <laughs> we used to quote that to people who wouldn't come.
1: <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. As the, you know, if, if someone is saying, oh, I can't get up in the morning, quote them, Proverbs 26, 14, and you'll be ready to go. A couple more things, and I'll, I'll leave you here. First is the next slide about the content. Now we're going to talk about what are some of the content. There you go. So look at the content. First 12 chapters, Peter's ministry. Rest of the book, Paul's ministry. Any questions? Which is bigger? Paul's. How do you know that? You can see it, visual learning. Yeah, uh, Peter's work among the Jews, Paul's work among the nations, and that's the content. Next page, for those of us who want a little bit more detail, here is an outline. This is your map, and I think this is on your handout also. This is your map to the book of Acts, starting out with Peter's work in Jerusalem, then his work outside of Jerusalem, Then Paul's travels. And Paul's travels, he makes these journeys to Galatia and to Greece and to Ephesus. Then there's other things that happen. And finally, there is a great sea voyage. Um, And if you don't do anything else, if you've never read read Acts, go home today. Read chapter 27 and 28. You'll love it. It's a sea story that uh, Luke includes there about their trip to Rome which is uh, quite, quite exciting. So there you, you have uh, your outline of Acts. And now that you know how to navigate Acts, I'd like to wrap up with three unique things about the book, and then I'll say goodbye. The first is something that I call two leaders. Two leaders. Okay, you have Saul and Barnabas. Okay, they are co-workers in the gospel of, uh, of uh, Christ And they're mentioned in Acts a number of times. When you look at this list, what do you notice? What you notice is at the beginning, Barnabas is mentioned first. You have Barnabas and Saul, Barnabas and Saul, Barnabas and Saul. Then Paul has this fantastic miracle. And then what happens? Paul and Barnabas, Paul and Barnabas. (laughs) Yeah, the leadership changed when Paul started taking the lead. In Acts chapter 13, and after that, Luke always writes, Paul and Barnabas, Paul and Barnabas, Paul and Barnabas. It may be because Luke was a close co-worker of Paul's. I don't know. We're going to have to ask him about that. And the second unique thing about Acts on the next slide is three we sections. Have you ever heard this? Three we sections. What is a we section? It is a section where we are involved. And there are three places in the book of Acts where Luke actually gets into the action himself. And they're listed here. They're also listed on your handout. Um, he 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 joins the party. And let me just read quickly for you uh, Acts 16, verses 6 through 12. And this is a journey that Paul is making through Turkey. And here's how Luke reports it. And they those people that were with Paul, Paul, Silas, and Timothy, they went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. And when they came to Mysia, they attempted to go to Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. So passing by Mysia, they went down to Troas. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night a man of Macedonia was standing there urging him and saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. And when Paul had seen the vision, get ready, we, what happened there? Luke joined them. We sought to go to Macedonia, concluding that God had called us. So you have the beginning of the first we section. There's gonna be three we sections in Macedonia the book of Acts, and you can see them there on the screen, and you can also read about them in your uh, handout. Uh, So that's the second thing. Um, The third thing, a unique thing, is seven summary statements. Two leaders, three we sections, and seven summary statements. Yeah, I love numbers, don't you? Seven... So what is a summary statement? It's a statement that summarizes. <laughs> sum- yeah, yeah. It, a summary statement. And he's going to do... He, Luke is going to insert seven summary statements as strategic points through his book. And, and I list them for you on your handout. Um, so at the end of chapter 2, and the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. A summary Statement. He does it again in chapter six, in chapter nine, and on and on we go. He does it seven times until the very end, the very end of the book. He summarizes the entire book in these two verses. Here's Paul. Paul is in Rome now. He's gone to the capital of the entire world with the gospel. Do you realize the gospel that started in Jerusalem spread all the way to the capital of the world. He is in Rome where Nero is, where the world empire headquarters is. As a matter of fact, we find out that there is a Bible study in Caesar's palace. Right under his nose, probably downstairs where he doesn't even know about it, there's a Bible study going on in Nero's palace. And Paul writes in Philippians to greet, he's writing from Rome, all those in Caesar's palace greet you in Philippi, is fantastic. But he's there in Rome, and it says, Luke says, he lived there two whole years in Rome, he had a rented place, at his own expense, as is Paul, and welcomed all who came to him, proclaiming the kingdom of God, and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness in Rome, and without hindrance. The gospel, had made it to the capital of the world without hindrance. And this is how Luke ends his book. And some said, well, he should have gone on to another book and so on. No, no, no. He ended it with the gospel spreading all the way to the capital of the world. So this is, this is the book of Acts. Hopefully this has been helpful to you to see a little bit of a summary. Take your notes home, read them. And I would leave you with one final thought now it's your time to read it, and when you read it, it will only take you 139 minutes to get from the first word, to, if you read at a normal rate. And uh, that's like two television programs. Okay, can you, can you sacrifice, listen, can you sacrifice two shows to read the book of Acts? That's all I'm saying. Uh, or you could do it seven 20-minute sessions. And here's the other thing. Read it out loud. Because if you don't read it out loud, you go, you start reading, you go, oh, nuts, I gotta go. And you write down, you gotta go to CVS, no, I gotta go to Costco. <laughs> and then you say, oh, yeah, I gotta go call Virginia, and you go, Virginia, you know. And you go, you're supposed to be reading the Bible, guys, come on. So read it out loud, it will turn your brain off, it will allow you to concentrate, and it will open the scriptures up, I guarantee you and you'll start seeing things. So read it out loud. In Revelation 3, 1, it's a blessing. Blessed are those who read it out loud. That's what the Bible says. So um, welcome to the book of Acts. On your marks, get set, go. Let's, uh, Let's end with a word of prayer. Lord Jesus, we love you so much. We thank you for the word of God, where we can learn about you, we can learn about your people, we can uh, worship you and praise you. We ask you as we embark on this journey through Acts starting next week that you will enlighten us, you will embolden us, you will strengthen us, you will refresh us, you will give us joy, you will allow us to see things we've never seen before, and that we could be servants of yours serving you in this community in this county we pray for the study that's coming up and we ask you to bless ben and uh, the rest of us as we go through this together we ask this in your precious name amen
2: i feel like we are so primed for the book of acts now we've had costas come and do his prequel eric has done his introduction the worship over this last month has been beautiful And now it's time to start into the book of Acts. I feel like we're a Shelby Mustang that's just been brought up to the starting line and it is primed, ready to go. So I hope you'll be with us next week, February the 2nd, as we launch into the first chapter of the book of Acts. And let's come with prayer to experience the Holy Spirit more. Amen. To experience the Holy Spirit like we mean it. With passion, with fire burning within our hearts. May God bless you. May He keep you. May He cause His face to shine upon you and give you peace. Amen. Amen. Amen.
0: Thank you again for listening to our podcast. If you'd like to know more information about our community, please visit cypresschurch.org. And as always, we would love to see you every Sunday at 10 a.m. for worship. Have a blessed week.